Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers, grandfathers for me as well. So, we were going to go frisbee golfing today or disc golfing, but um, we'll see. <laughs> see what happens out there. We golf in the rain. There's no reason why we can't disc golf in the rain. So, well, I read a delightful story, and you might have too, because it wasn't in the news, about a father by the name of Lucas and uh, McAnenny, I think is how you pronounce his name, but he's a 35-year-old father from Hamilton, Ontario, and he won the Buffalo Marathon May 28th, just a few weeks ago. But this marathon was especially meaningful to Lucas because he did it while pushing his two-year-old son in a running stroller. And it wasn't even a marathon for strollers, but it was a normal marathon, but he got special permission to push his son, and he won the marathon. So Lucas and his son Sutton crossed the finish line 16 seconds ahead of the next competitor. And Sutton was fast asleep when they crossed the finish line there. You can see him, his eyes closed there. And um, after their son was born, after Sutton was born, his wife bought a running stroller for her husband on Father's Day to help their infant son fall asleep. And I remember running around in the car with my daughter Ashley trying to get her to fall asleep. But hey, a running stroller does the trick too. But then this led to something more. And so Lucas told the CBC reporter, 99% of the runs since the pandemic started have been with him. He's been my training partner throughout the whole thing. And he added, he's never spoken more during a run than he did at the Buffalo Marathon. It was two and a half hours of pure fun, he said. During the run, this two-year-old Sutton would point out all the police cars and the ambulances as they pass. And of course, when you have a marathon in the city, you block off on the intersections and there's police cars everywhere, right? It was a blast. Then he adds, the next time he and his son are in a race, both will be on their feet and they'll be running side by side. Well, I thought that was a pretty adorable story of a father and his love for his son and just his desire to be with him, literally, for hours upon end, training and then this marathon. But it made me think about our relationship to God as a father. Do you imagine that God loves to spend time with you? Do you think about that? Do you, do you consider that God wants to be with you? I mean, 24-7. Do you know that God is your father who cares deeply about you? It's something to think about. Because I'm not so sure that we do think about that. Or perhaps we take it for granted that God is our Father. Because I think we know it intellectually. Uh, We even address God as our Father. I heard Calvin address God as his Father this morning, right? Just comes out. Jesus taught his disciples to pray, our Father, right? Who is in heaven? Holy is your name. 
And so we intellectually know because Jesus taught us to pray this way. But do we actually understand what this really means to address God as our Father? Jesus wants us to understand the kindness of a father. He is kind like even a human father. So this is Matthew 7, 9 to 11. He said this, Which of you, if, you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So normal parents aren't going to be mean to their children and give them a bowl of rocks for breakfast when they ask for a bowl of Captain Crunch. Am I right? Yeah, it would just, you know, that'd be mean if you did that, but normal parents, I'm assuming you're normal, you're not going to do that, right? You're, you're going to give them a bowl of Captain Crunch or whatever their favorite cereal is. And neither is God mean like this. He loves to give to his children, especially to those who ask him. You know, this passage is basically on prayer, right? It's giving you a a pure motive for prayer. God cares about you. But Jesus is saying something more here. He is saying, God is the how much more father. You get that? He is the how much more father. We love our own children, right? We dearly love them. We give them the shirt off our back. We sacrifice. But Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to you for those who ask? Our heavenly father then is the how much more father. That's what I'm going to call him. He is the how much more father. So you can compare him to the greatest father in the world. But he is so much greater than that. So human illustrations are okay. Because Jesus uses human illustrations, right? To help us. I think it's his way to just get us in. But then then he ramps it up. He says, by the way, you might have the most awesome father in the world... But I am much greater than him. So much greater. You know, I think it's also interesting that Jesus even had to defend God as the super generous Father God. You notice that? He's actually defending God. He says, do you know who he really is? I think it's because, just like in any day, He's dealing with people's faulty perceptions of God of that time. In Jesus' day, it's well known that many people viewed God as this hard taskmaster. It's probably because the Pharisees painted a picture of God that way, because they were hard taskmasters, right? You've got to ramp it up, right? You've got to ramp it up to gain God's affirmation. And so today... Because we're human, we have our own struggles with God. Satan is a great deceiver, trying to make God, our Father, look 
who he's not. He'll make him look mean or unfair or trustworthy. That was his deception from the very beginning in the garden. Do you remember? Right? Is that what he really said? Right? Something like that. It's a deception. So if Satan can deceive us that God is unfair and a strict disciplinarian, of course, we're not going to warm up to God. If you believe that story. You know, I've talked to many people or overheard over the years admitting to struggling with their relationship with God because they have tended to view God through their relationship with their own flawed human father or parent. We may not even be aware of this emotional connection. Some have absent fathers who were too busy. Some grew up with abusive fathers who took out their own anger and sadness out on their own children. Some grew up with emotionally distant fathers or demanding or controlling fathers, which has the potential to negatively impact their walk with God. So what does the Word of God teach us about God as our Father? So let's begin. And I want to begin with the Old Testament. God was a compassionate father to Israel, and so Israel was considered his son through redemption. Some have tended to think in the Old Testament, God is portrayed as this distant, angry, moody God. But in the New Testament, God has an attitude adjustment, and now he's gracious and forgiving. But of course, this is a false dichotomy. Now, it is true that in the Old Testament, you will not find very many passages about God as a father. But understand, in the larger story of the Bible, God's character does not change. Rather, God is revealed to us progressively in this grand story. So God is portrayed in different ways and at different times. For example, in Genesis, how is God portrayed? He's portrayed as this creator. He is the great creator. It speaks of his power of his might, his creativity. Yet even in the Garden of Eden, God is walking with Adam and Eve, having a conversation. It's not distant at all. He made us to be in relationship with him. God is also portrayed in the Old Testament as a judge who is just in all his decisions and actions because... He must deal with the state of, an un, of a fallen world, right? Broken world. So you have the stories, the flood, and so forth. He's also portrayed as the king, king of all kings, which speaks of his sovereignty over all kingdoms. And this comes out in the book of Daniel, for example. But what about God as our father? Is it there in the Old Testament? Well, most of the Old Testament is actually the story of God and his relationship to the nation of Israel. And God decided to redeem the fallen world through Israel. And so it was a special relationship where God was 
a father to his people, and his people were called his son or his children. So let's look at the verses there. I have those verses up for you, Isaiah 63, 15 to 16. It says this, Look down from heaven and see from your lofty throne, holy and glorious. Where are your zeal and your might? Your tenderness and compassion are withheld from us, but you are our Father. Though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us, you, Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. So clearly there's a lot here, but he talks about God as being on the throne. He is holy and glorious, and that he is. When Israel rebelled, God incredibly was incredibly patient with them. But as a wise father, he also disciplined his rebellious children. He did allow Jerusalem to fall. He did allow his people to go into captivity. And yet Isaiah reminds us and reveals to us the character of God. He has been described as this tender and compassionate father who is their redeemer from of old. So what is he referring to? Well, he's pointing back to Israel's deliverance from Egypt. This is how God redeemed them. Deuteronomy 131 says this, There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. You know, Moses uses language that we can all understand. God is a compassionate, a loving father who carries his wounded child, his wounded son Israel, the spiritually lost children to safety so that they can be reconnected with God. Fatherhood language is used. Compassionate language is used to describe God as a father, yes, in the Old Testament. You know, when I was about you know, 11 years old, uh, we were on our way back to Japan from, I think, a two-year furlough in Canada. And my parents took us to Disneyland because our flight was out of L.A. this time. And so, as you can imagine, it was a long and thrilling day in, in Disneyland. But we were exhausted. We were completely spent. So on the way back, I fell asleep in the car. And I don't remember the ride back at all. All I can remember was waking up in my dad's arms. And he lifted me out of the car, apparently, from the back of the car to the hotel. And then that's when I was awake while he was carrying me. You know, it felt so nice to be carried that I pretended not to be awake. I just wanted to go for the ride, man. Let's go straight to bed. And it probably was the most special ride of the day, right? All for free. And so in the same way, caught in brutal slavery, their compassionate father carried their, his son, Israel, out of Egypt, and he saved them. He redeemed them from their oppression and their harm. And Psalm 103, 13 to 14 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion. There he is again. The psalmist is comparing human fathers, but he says, But your father, your Lord, has compassion on those who fear him. 
For he knows how we are formed, and he remembers that we are dust. He is your creator, but he is your father. And he knows you inside and out. He knows your frailty. He knows the insides of you and the emotions that you feel. And of course, God disciplines us. What wise father doesn't? But God is best at that. This is what parents, wise parents do. But God redeems us as a father full of concern and compassion. As we turn to the Gospels, we see the story or the scene of Jesus praying. And he's praying to God as his Abba, Father, while he is suffering. And so we learn even more about the fatherhood of God through Jesus' intimate prayer while he is in agony. So we find this in Mark chapter 14, verse 36. 36. Jesus said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Well, we do know that the Jews, as a people, and individually, did address God as their father in prayer. Some have said that Jews did not understand God as their father until the New Testament, but that view is proven to be incorrect, uh, as we've already seen. But according to Bible scholar Joachim Jeremias, he says that no Jew used the familiar address Abba, Father, which expresses the sense of intimacy with God. And so Jesus' prayer shatters the old pious customs in prayer. Jesus' prayer to the Father is actually quite groundbreaking. Although Daddy is a fair English translation, it is probably more than you know, a child's address to her or his father. It's more than that. Abba is a personal address that carries with it intimacy an affection and devotion that is both bold and simple, that is for the child, but also for the adult too. It's really a profound word where I think maybe even the English has a, you know, English language has a hard time to capture the Aramaic, um, Abba. But you get the spirit of the word, right? Very tender word, affectionate word, very bold word. So here's Jesus. He's praying to God using the word Abba. Abba, Father. He's under incredible duress and suffering. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. The cup, of course, is a picture of suffering. And that's what's going on here. All of us at one time or another will face some kind of pain, some kind of suffering, some kind of loss, whatever. Jesus knew that he had come 
And he was about to give his own life. He is hours away from being arrested. To give his life to redeem the world. But Jesus came from heaven as a human being. And he experienced all of our suffering. And even our temptations. Take this cup from me. I mean, that's, the, that's just this honest, open, intimate request. Because he's in pain, right? It's as honest and intimate as it gets. Yet at the same time, Jesus knows what he must do. But in his pain, he's being just brutally honest with God the Father. But he says in obedience, yet not I will, but what you will. As Abba, Father, said to him, no, of course, I can't take that cup from you. you got to keep on going. Scholar N.T. Wright observes, if even Jesus received the answer, no, from God his Father, through one of his most heartfelt prayers, we should not be surprised if sometimes it is the way for us too. God will say no. You must proceed through that pain and choose to trust me through it. And so we know, of course, that as Jesus turned to his Abba Father, he gave him the strength that he needed to accomplish his mission. And in his moment of suffering, greatest suffering, Jesus did not back away from the Father, but he drew closer to his Father. I think that's really interesting. We have to pay attention to it. Because when we experience pain, how often do we back away from God as our Father? I'd rather not consult you now, God, because I'm really upset. But we must follow the same example as Jesus. But there is more. Thirdly, we see the embrace of our Abba Father through the Holy Spirit. So not only is it something that Jesus had with God the Father, something's happened so it can be also for us. By nature, as you know, none of us are children of God. Um, I think what Calvin read this morning, he even talked about being enemies of God, I think it came out, Right? But when we receive Jesus by faith in the divine embrace of God through his death, which is represented on the cross, he forgives us. Can you, can you picture that as a, as a divine embrace? Because it is. Not only does God forgive us on that cross, but we also become children through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And because of the indwelling Spirit in us and with us, we are considered adopted children of God. So I've given you a couple passages there. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption 
by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, or God's children. Then again in Galatians 4, 6, And because you are sons or children, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Do you see what's happened here? Just as Jesus prayed with intimacy to God as his Father, now as God's children through the Holy Spirit in us, we too can draw close to God as our Abba Father. I mean, that's just the most profound thing in all the world. Now you are included in the happy land of the Trinity. I'm quoting a theologian by Fred Sanders, if you know him. You are now in the happy land of the Trinity by adoption, where you are considered legitimate children of God who are given the privilege of heirs. The famed theologian J.I. Packer, in his book Knowing God and Other Resources, said it best when he taught that adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher even than justification. I like that. Because it is one thing for God, the Father, to forgive sinners, but it's an entirely different thing, profound thing, to be adopted into his family where you can address God as Daddy, Abba, Papa, Opa. It's hard to get our our mind around the kind of intimacy that we're given, but all the language here says to me, it's all true. It's all true. So what do we do with this? Right? This, this is always where you, you, know, you, you cross the rail tracks, bump, 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 to the other side, and you contemplate what you just heard, and you go, what do we do with this? That's always the catch, right? I think there's something deep within all of us that longs to be loved. Right? We long to be loved. If we're honest, we long to be loved. Only God our Father, through Jesus, and the indwelling Spirit, can satisfy the longing of our souls. Let me say that again. Only God our Father, through Jesus, and the indwelling Spirit, can satisfy the longing of our souls. God is the perfect Father All of us need. In him, we lack nothing. Psalm 23. The good shepherd. Did you notice the Bible uses all kinds of names for God? I think he does it for us. Right? Not to confuse you, but just to overwhelm you with his love and how great he really is. We don't need to earn his love, and you can't earn his love. 
That's something to contemplate, right? And maybe we don't even realize what we do, but we have a tendency to try to do that. We do it with people, right? But we certainly do it with God as well. We simply need to learn to humbly and by faith receive what God has given, right? He's the generous giving God giving us redemption through Jesus Christ, to receive God's, what I'm calling, God the Father's divine embrace extended to us from this hard wooden cross in Jesus. I'm not sure if you can picture God's hands out to you while he's on the cross, because that's kind of what it's like. He's extending his life to you. Because it can give you life. Our Abba Father is a wise God who compels you also to never stay the same. He embraces us so that we might be loved and transformed. Just like any relationship, our relationship with God, our Father, needs to stay healthy. If you, want to be, if you want to grow and transform, then our relationship with God needs to stay healthy. From his end, as Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says that God's divine power has given us everything we need, right, for a godly life. He provides everything, in other words. He's given you the goods so that you can grow. He is the perfect Father. But we have to learn to receive the promises of God, right? Receive all that He has given us. And if you look into that passage, you know, He talks about the corruption in the world and da 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 da. Why we need Him so much, right? Because we're imperfect children. We need Him. And most of all, He gives us. His Holy Spirit who empowers us to change. So again, the Bible uses different language here. But in order to stay healthy, we need to always be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Uh, do you have dog days? Lousy days? Some of you? Not all of you? Some of you, all of you. Yeah, yeah, okay. Just trying to get some honesty, you know? Just kidding. We got dog days. We all have dog days. And maybe worse than dog days, cat days. Just kidding. (laughs) That was unscripted. That was free. But anyway. You know, in this relationship with God as our Father, we are wisely instructed to keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think it's interesting how, you know, the Bible uses both personal relational images, but also inanimate uh, objects, right? And so the filling is this cup, pitcher, water, you know, but it all works out the same. But anyway, Paul says, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the question is, Why? Why, do, why is this filling, an ongoing filling, so necessary? 
Well, I think it's really quite easy. We all leak, right? We all leak. You know, I have a, a, I think it's a 10-gallon fish tank in my house. And every week, even though I don't see it, I lose, I think, one to two liters of water per week. I'm always filling that thing, right? And then, if I remember, every two or three weeks, I'm supposed to empty half of it to keep the fish fresh, right? And then refill it again. But I'm always filling up that thing. It's just this constant responsibility of filling that tank. So I'm always refilling, but in the same way, spiritually, we are the same because we leak. We are human. We get discouraged, for example, in illness. We struggle with a lack of confidence, maybe because our feelings were hurt or we face temptations to sin we think no one else faces. And so these are all little indicator lights on your spiritual dashboards reminding you, you need to be topped up. You're leaking. So that's why Paul says again and again, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But I appreciate, as we close here, Romans 5.5, 5, it says this, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love, right? So now we get the personal part again, right? God the Father, His love is being poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom, who has been given to us. So even though... Paul talks about this, you know, refilling and filling and pouring. What he's really talking about is this relationship. A relationship with God the Father. God's loving presence. You need more of Him, in other words. And so, when you, when Jesus says, cries out to Abba Father, and then He says, you're His children, to your, your, your legitimate sons and daughters, I think he's saying, look, you've been given this privilege of this relationship. You get to walk and talk with God. And we need to actually do it. Because that's how we're filled, right? So I want to encourage you. In your walk with God, in your prayer walk with God. Learn the intimacy of having a conversation with God your Father. I know it's tough because we are afraid of intimacy. I think I'm accurate with that. I think we're afraid of intimacy because we don't like getting exposed maybe, right? But I want you to know that all the language that I hear here from God, compassionate, kind, wanting to give to you, especially to those who seek him out in prayer, <laughs> he wants to give to you. In other words, he's safe. He wants to work in your life. Will he discipline? Yeah, he will. Right? So let's just not make him out to be just this, you know, 
God who spoils like a grandfather who just returns the children back to the parents again, that idea, right? But he will discipline. But do not interpret discipline as being unloving or unkind. And so develop a conversation with God. Know that God is your Abba Father through the work of the Holy Spirit. Receive the loving embrace of God as your Father each and every day if you can, because we so need Him. Shall we pray? Father, you are our Abba Father. And Lord, we come to you um, as your needy children. And help us to understand just how much you love us. And all you did by giving your life to redeem us was all a picture of your incredible love your loving embrace. Teach us to receive that embrace and receive your spirit again and again so we never stay the same. So we come, become just a little more courageous, a little more faithful, a little more loving. We need you, Lord, and help us to develop and cultivate this tender conversation with you, Lord. We give you the glory and we say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.